This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Here's my wife, Abby, who's at a post-run polar seltzer, raspberry. That's right. Yeah. So yesterday we watched Alone and I've been pondering that today. And I think there's three ways to approach the show alone. One, you try to win it. Two, you try to get marketable. So you just go there. You know you're not going to win, but you do something that on the back end, once you're done with the show, there's going to be something. Some sort of opportunity is going to be waiting for you because of of the show. Or option three, you just kind of go hang out for a little bit. Um and then you tap out, you go back to the lodge and hang out, and you're not left with any sort of crippling post-starvation effects like some of these people that look like they're 85 when they get taken out. And then two weeks later, they look a little bit more human, but are still pretty hammered by the experience. What do you think of my three uh, approaches to the show? Yeah, I mean, I think those are all strategies. I think you're underestimating the fourth type of person, which seems to be exceedingly common on the show, exceedingly rare in real life, where I don't... Exceedingly rare in real life. (laughs) Like, not in a bad way, but they just don't understand normal society. Like, the guy who builds a boat, like, just really seems like he's just loving building the boat, having the time of his life... He had that quote about, like, I am socially most engaged when I am alone in nature. And I was like, <laughs> That ah, was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So do you, would you put that, like, is he trying to win or is he just having fun or is he, or is that like a marketability thing? No, I think he is just, like, that is just who he is. Like, he just doesn't care. Like, his real life, he lives, he's like a caretaker in the Indian Islands for some, mm-hmm. like, nature school or something. And I think he just likes being on his own. And... Yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing with that girl from the last season who was a little bit delusional about, like, she was definitely starving. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was hard but to watch. she was, like, making pottery. Yeah. And just, just crushing like, it, but... didn't have... Yeah, there was just something... It's like, part of her brain shut down to allow her to just function and it was weird to kind of watch that it's fun because like that was honest and yeah, i think that, absolutely. that guy that was that built the boat is honest he definitely seems like the type of guy who's who just likes to do that like you said like yeah. just who he is and it's cool to see those people i think some of the other people look like they're just they're putting on a show because yeah, they can put on absolutely. a show it's impossible to tell though like all you're getting mm-hmm. is the clipped footage and then it's impossible to have a real honest look it's a Reality TV does not exist because if people know they're being filmed, they're going to act a little bit different. It's yeah. just it's just a consequence. There's there's no way even even us going out 
hunting, I know that there is a potential story that I might be writing about it at any point. So it's not a total, there's always some angle. And so while it's way different writing versus recording, we live in a, in a time now where it's just different. You can't be alone without it. I don't know if it's an ulterior motive, but you just know you're being filmed like because you're setting up the cameras. Yeah. You know, you're on a show. I wonder what it was like before boredom and character making existed. If you're Jim Bridger and you're just riding your, your horse all around the West and Kit Carson, some of those legendary people who are just around and they're part of the history of so many different uh, states in the West. And then you look at like traditional native cultures who would have like your vision quest where like a teen would go off and be alone and isolated and away from the protection of society and then obviously survive and come back. But we don't exist in that world anymore. And so we get kind of panicked and some of these people start to freak out pretty early and they're just not used to not being alone. And sometimes some of the insecurities are when you're unraveled or the cocoon that you create through through your, your daily routine, your business, your, your life, your everything else that maybe insulates you from things that you have to deal with. And all of a sudden, who am I without that? I think there's a lot of, makes me wonder what would happen to me if I was out there for a while, what I would start thinking about. Would I have like these really good transcendentalist thoughts or would I just kind of lose my mind? You would lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think um. <laughs> I think I would start off trying to be like poetic, trying to like channel the inner Walt Whitman, but Whitman had people at his cabin. He doesn't even hide the fact. Like he would have people come out to the cabin. They'd just think about stuff and talk about stuff and visit. So I think without having that, I think it would just be like a long podcast of me just standing in front of the camera. And yeah. I, I think I'd do horrible. Yeah, so answer me. So... How would you go out? Like, what's the straw? What's the last straw? I don't know. Maybe it would be the first straw. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could convince myself, like, I'm there for a week. I think a week. Like, I've been out hunting and I've been out for a while, but it's different when you have, you have all the stuff that you need plus food. If you don't, if you're starting at square one, if you're one of those people who gets sick within the first week for whatever reason, you're not going to win. Because your body can't even function normally, and now you're trying to recover from a cold, sickness, you know, rejecting food, or you know, you get an allergic reaction or something like that. You're you're not going to win. There's no longevity there, because your body will not be able to recover and then thrive. You're done. So, I think um, I like food, and I think it would be fun to kind of go around and try stuff, but it would be hard to. I think I would go out and try to do the hunt stuff. I'd try to track stuff. And, the, the I'd, hey, look at this. I'm trying to do this. There was the guy who was trying to fish, but he walked right past a river that was meeting the lake, which would probably be the best place to fish. Yeah. And it, was, it looked like it was a lot uh, closer to camp. And so I'd try to establish that, um, a good fishing spot, a good hunting thing. Um, but then I'm not sure how long my tolerance would be for failure. And if I went out too hard and I'm saying, I'm tired, it's over. Would I even get my shelter built? I don't know. 
Yeah, I I think that you have all of the like fishing hunting skills to survive. I think that whether it's a weekend, two weeks in, you're really hungry, you do something small but stupid and you just snap. That's <laughs> Like small, small, or, or <laughs> you'd be the guy that like lights the shelter on fire. You think I'd light my own shelter on? Oh no, on accident. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like I'd get pissed off because <laughs> I lost a trout, and I'd light my own shelter on fire. No, like yeah, on accident, you something. I don't know. Actually, you're pretty diligent about like those types of things. It would be something small. It wouldn't be something you wouldn't go down in flames. No, I, I could see, I think I'm better now, but there was definitely a time where if I lost a fish, I would then like break my rod. Yeah. And then I, there would be You would a, like throw your little spool of line that they allow you into the lake and then I, you'd be like. I don't like, know if I would chuck it into the lake. I would definitely throw it against the rocks and it would break. And, and then you would the bounce spool, into the lake. The I don't know. The spool would be unusable. Yeah. I think I'm way better than I was, but yeah, I've. Yeah. I think you would be out there for a long time because i think you would forage yeah i think i I think you would in a worst case scenario i don't think you would ever build your shelter because you would be just planning it (laughs) and you would sketch it out on a piece of bark with some charcoal (laughs) and you would sketch out all that stuff and it would never get built but i I would i'd be in the same way too like food and shelter i'd i'd be so afraid of being hungry yeah. Because I love to eat. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I think it'd be a lot of fun to, to kind of try that. But I don't want the long-lasting effects of that. I don't want to no. look back at the, it's not the, not worth the sacrifice, <clears throat> I don't think. And I don't think that's a, I was listening to, I think it was Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how, in the NFL with the concussions, like people didn't necessarily know the long-term effect of having a lot of concussions. You get your mm-hmm. bell rung, and then the it's even out a long time after you retire, you could have some some serious problems, which was not necessarily the known risk. Whereas if you're doing MMA, and he was talking about this, if you're going boxing, everybody knows you could end up like Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier. If you do one fight too many or two fights too many or whatever, that is an absolute consequence. I think people find it still worth it because there's a monetary thing. There's also the glory type thing. I don't see this as the same thing. Everybody or not everybody gets $500,000. Like you could just go on the show, you get your 10 minutes of fame and that's it. And then do you have some sort of lingering issue because you were malnourished and you know, you cut five to 10 years of either viability or actual years off your life. I, I don't think that was worth it. I think it'd be a fun experience. Um, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's really cool to see what people do out there. I mean, you know, the boat building and the pier building. Oh, and, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and it would it would be nice if this show didn't incentivize like starvation. And I know that the mental part is a big part of how you win that kind of show, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes it a little bit less enjoyable to watch when you're like, oh, this person is destroying themselves. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? 
But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Yeah, conflict drives plot. You got to have it. I don't feel, I mean, again, the people who know, they know what they're signing up for. Like, you know that, but you also know at any time, if if you feel like you're going too far, you could definitely shut it down. And some people have. There was a one guy who was very heartfelt in his, like, I'm nothing without my family. He decided to go back. Yeah, I don't think he has many ill effects at all because he was, I mean, he lost some weight, but, you know, um, so you had, you don't have to go to that point. Um, But yeah, I think the incentivizing of the creation of conflict, and I wonder how much of that stuff is, they're pressured into making stuff that's going to make for good TV. And so people are taking risks they wouldn't ordinarily take. Um, So I wonder if there's that level of, there's sometimes that they're doing stuff that just doesn't make sense. But that's to me, like maybe it makes total sense to them. I don't know. I Yeah. Not. But yeah, it makes you definitely want to go camp out for like a week and yeah. just see how hard it is. <laughs> yeah. I just do it for, for fun. Yeah. And that was you know, we've gone on some hikes when we did that one in the uh Wind River Range. All right. It's called the Wind Wind River Range, yeah. Wind River. But what's the nickname for it? I always screwed this up. The Winds. The Winds. But what's the, what are the... You always call it the Windies. The Windies, <laughs> because it's the Snowies. Yeah. The Snowies are near Laramie. The Winds are the Wind River Range over over here, yonder. Okay, yeah. Um, It was, what, 18 miles back there? 14 miles back there? 20 miles back there? Yeah, 14. I think it was longer than that. Were you talking round trip or one way? One way. I think it was 14 one way. Oh, I'm I'm mixing up a different one that we did to the secret spot. But the one, the f- first yeah, one we did. it doesn't with, matter. Yeah. Way. Um, but going back there and being back there and hiking around to some of these other lakes to fish and then deciding to go out early. Like we had the food to stay later, but being able to, it was just kind of fun to, yeah, all right, well, let's, let's hike out today and, and then go all the way out rather than spend the extra day. Um, cause we were mm-hmm. flying out East, right? Weren't we? Yeah. To get back on the road. So rather than stay yeah. at that, uh, mosquito infested lake that had no, no trout, four of us were stinking fishing. Nothing. Yeah. Not even like a little, it didn't make any well, sense. We caught like some little, uh, like four inches or something stupid. I think it was less than that. I think yeah. it was like a 
half inches. Like they weren't even big enough to get the whole fly in their mouth. No, I think yeah. the caddis were eating the fish. <laughs> it was monsters. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think it's a kind of a sad speaking to our current state. I think how therapeutic that would be for so many people. And how many of these people have great skills for the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But you can be very skilled and very certified and very everything, but that doesn't mean that you can survive. Doesn't mean that you you can last or that you're not immune to mistakes. You see it with hunters too. Accomplished hunters or hunters who have been, oh, I've hunted rugged territory somewhere else. Well, it's not here. You know, things are, are different. Yeah. And I think that's a danger. I think sometimes we get really excited about how badass we are as hunters that we forget that there's something else that we're going to have to be wary of when we're out of our our home our home hunt well and i think it's hugely different being out with one or more other people versus when you're on your own when you're on your own you have no margin for error yeah when you're with another person i just think they can if you get sick they can you know pick up the slack if um something happens they maybe have that extra piece of equipment that you didn't you know like yeah it just and i mean that's not even to mention like kind of the mental side of it um but i think being alone is i think i think a lot of people probably underestimate how difficult that is yeah yeah a lot of people say that they're they don't like people they don't like being around people but we can even substitute online for at least social interaction so you can email you can like you can scroll through you can get messages you can have an idea of what's going on but having nothing i think would be be tough how long do you think you and i would make it if it was like a two on two like a two ten teams of two um i like to think we'd make it a while the th- here's the thing i think it depends on what time of the year you start because they always start them in the fall because i think i think they set them up to fail right so yeah. i think if we got to start like in the summer and you could actually store stuff up i think we could last quite a while yeah well they start them it's, it seems like it's it could even be late summer based on the the climate so you have winter starting so much earlier Mm-hmm. It may it might be August or or September, so in some climates it still it hangs on for a while. But um, yeah, that makes a makes a huge difference. It's that late summer, early fall can be just a bonanza of stuff. That's what it is here. You got fish, you got deer, you got mm-hmm. berries. I mean, you got so much stuff. But so if it started in August and it was like here. Home court advantage. I mean, I think we could probably last like a year. I don't think knowing that I could go to a house, like I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but Why? Yeah. <laughs> if we got stuck and we had no communication and for whatever reason we had to be out there, like I'd. Well, I think that's another thing too. It, if, if it's a survival situation versus a show. Yeah. Because survival situation way different if it's a show and you can tap out makes a big difference so if things start getting sideways then you know you can do that and it's like a game it's a quest of how long you can stay here if it's a survival situation i think that changes a lot because you're not there on your own terms yeah 
So I think if it was a show and it was here, I think we would do well because we appreciate dryness. And we know how absolutely at the core of every decision we make, it's going to be about being able to get dry because hypothermia can happen even in August. Yeah. So that would be our benefit here. But if you go further north, like it would be, that's just a different brand of cold. You know, what are we? But also, I mean, like they give you, I mean, you're allowed to bring like what? I think at least 10 things or 15. Like you can bring a bunch of tools and tarps and stuff, so... Yeah. I think some people that would come up here, they're, they're trained for, and that's what some of the waterproof gear and some of the other hunting type stuff that's, it's made for waiting out an afternoon thunderstorm, like a day of rain. Whereas here you might be here and it's 45 and rainy for 10 straight days. And if you can't get dry, that's going to really wear on you. Um, and that's going to be pretty tough. So you have to be able to be prepared for that. So I think that would be one of the first things we prioritize, making sure, monitoring our wetness, knowing that it's not going to, you know, this rain is going to end. We're not going to hope for it to rain. We know it's going to be everlasting. Yeah. What about Wyoming? How do you think we do in Wyoming? I mean, it depends where in Wyoming. Like mountains or prairie or... Ew, prairie. Oh, it'd be brutal. No way. Zero chance. Yeah. Like 20 minutes. Like a day. <laughs> Give it a day. Try to sneak up on some antelope. But yeah, that would be that'd be awful. I think it would also be different if you're in the s- snowies versus the bighorns versus the, well, Tetons are, that's more in Idaho, right? And it's kind of split. Uh, yeah, they're in Wyoming. Like the, the, those, the main three peaks are like right on the border, right? Or are they on the Wyoming side? They're on the Wyoming okay. side. Yeah. Uh, we'll go Wind River Range. You got grizzly bears there, which would change yeah. things. Yeah. And there's grizzly bears in, in the bighorns too, right? Nope. Hmm. Oh, not officially. Not officially. Allegedly not there might be of. one. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a big thing. Cause you got a, you got a predator that's out looking for stuff. Black bears. I respect them, but I'm not yeah. not worried um, about them. But, yeah, that changes things a lot. And they've really hyped that up on the show. What is this? Are we, is this season over? Are we, like, months late on this thing, or is it kind of new? I don't know. <clears throat> no, actually, I, I think because they run on the History Channel, and then it goes on Netflix, like, way later. So, okay. yeah, it's way over. Uh oh yeah, so it it ran May twenty eighth, ran during the summer, May twenty eighth to August fourth. So yeah, right? Is that it? Oh, this says Labrador on this. Yeah, this one I think is. What season are we even watching? I think it must have been filmed in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one because they're all wearing masks. I did see that. Yeah, I wonder too if they're hyper sensitive about people coming back in. If you happen to have a little bit of a germ and you have this person whose immune system is totally wrecked and they get sick from you. Yeah. I believe, I don't know. But yeah, that seems like it's a 20 or 20 or 21. Who knows? We're watching a season. Yeah. I think it's season eight. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Speaking of food and growing food, or actually not growing food, but foraging, we want to be able to set up our yard 
with as much food as we can. So it is going to be a bare central. Everyone in the neighborhood is going to hate us because of our apple trees and bushes. But there's already there's already bears getting into garbage. So and a wolf that's been running around. But um, talk about your vision for. Uh, what you want and some of the complementary elements of what you want to plant so that we can have like some good food coming out of our... Well, so last year I planted three apple trees, which are all still alive. Um, kind of interesting. I was looking at them a couple of days ago, and they're all budding, and it's January, so that's not good. So we're hoping they make it through the winter. That's not good at all. It's been a bit warm. Yes, last week and a half has been pretty nice, but bad. Yeah, and also all my garlic is, like, <laughs> it's all growing. I've never grown garlic before, so I'm hoping that it's fine, but it all might die. I don't know. Um, Yeah, so I'm planning to put in probably about four raised beds, um, just because it's so wet here. And the raised beds will kind of allow the soil to drain better and warm up a little faster. So I have some raised beds. I want to add a couple cherry trees and then just every type of berry possible. <laughs> and we thinned out some salmon berries, so in a patch that had like two huckleberry bushes. So hopefully that'll kind of proliferate a little bit. And we have some blueberries that are on the peripheral. Um, but those are so nice to have. Pick them and then have them to freeze and add them to your shakes or whatever. So nice to have your pancakes or whatever. That's, that's, mm-hmm. um, what else are we going to go for? We had some potatoes, which is awesome. So yeah. it's good to have potatoes. Yeah, we'll plant a bunch of potatoes. Um, I don't know. I mean, mostly, I guess, for the raised beds, I'm looking at, like, root vegetables. So carrots, turnips, beets, radishes, and greens. Um, broccoli, cabbage, lettuce, um, chard, that type of stuff, just because... It's all kind of cool season vegetables, so hopefully they'll be pretty low maintenance to grow. Um, Then I'll probably try out a couple different squash varieties, zucchini, see if anything does well here. Um, And then, yeah, a bunch of peas, too. That's another big one that does well here. Yeah, we did pretty well. Those are are good. We didn't have a whole lot, but we kind of got a late start on some of that planting because obviously the house construction is going on, and we were using that front part. Um, do you think that we are just going to have so much food that there will be not an, enough slugs to eat all of our food or how do you, I'm gonna, how are we going to We're going to kill them with slug bait. We're going to kill them with slug bait? Good. Yeah. The little ones are horrible because they're just, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're on all of it. Yeah, we'll see. I've been told by some people here that they use slug bait and they can grow. They haven't had a problem with slugs, so nice. I'm hoping it works for us. Um, but, yeah, definitely slugs. I mean, I planted stuff in, like, late July last year when we got back from Prince of Wales, and slugs pretty much demolished it on site. Yeah. I think being able to look after things will be huge too you were gone up until like you said the end of the month so we were it was just kind of me but then i was over there too and you weren't really able to kind of tend to things so that'll be 
Our chores would be nice. Yeah, and the deer definitely got in the fence and ate everything too. <laughs> yeah. It was weird with the strawberries because they always left a couple of leaves. It was as though they were conscious of eliminating a potential food source. But Yeah. Yeah, I I don't mind the deer as much. They're kind of annoying, but the slugs are infuriating. Yeah. Deer's deer's pretty cool. Slugs no purpose. Yeah, we're going to be trying to kill them, so we'll see yeah. how it goes. What about the complementary element of some of the things? Like you've I don't I don't know much about nitrogen fixers and whatnot, but how do you mm-hmm. how do you make effective decisions? Um, yeah, I mean a lot of it is kind of just trial and error. Um I'm also going to plant a bunch of flowers probably that I mean, flowers can do a lot of things. Um, some flowers supposedly can deter deer, although I've also seen deer just eat a lot of flowers, so I don't know how real that is. Um, and then also, like, the flowers will attract pollinators, and um, <clears throat> they provide, you know, just a lot of benefits for good insects, pollinators, and also, like, predatory insects, Um so probably plant some flowers um, around the trees and then in some of the kind of open areas that were opened up by digging and construction stuff. Um, and then, yeah, nitrogen fixers, um, any kind of legume, so beans, peas, um, lupin flowers are actually also nitrogen fixers. Um what is a nitrogen fixer? They can take atmospheric nitrogen and two gas out of atmosphere and they turn it into um, a form of nitrogen that plants can take up. So it makes the soil better. Yeah. Yes. Put it in husband's words. Yeah. That's good. Um. So, yeah, going to experiment with some of that stuff. I mean, I don't know. It all looks great when you're planning and putting it on paper. But, like, last year I planted a bunch of stuff in April when I left to go to Prince of Wales. And it looked fine. And then we got back. There was, like, a couple nasturtium plants left. And that was about it. Yeah, that was the rough thing. Once everything else started growing up around it and then... uh yeah, it's hard to identify this stuff is first shooting up. Is this good or is it bad? And then, like, you're gone for a couple of days or a week, and then all of a sudden, or in my case, like, four weeks, and all that you get, and it's just, they're gone. Yeah, I think when the deer got in, they probably ate everything. Yeah. But, yeah, should be fun. Be good. We won't have to, won't have to starve. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping... Um, we can grow some stuff this year. I'm excited because I used to have such good gardens in Wyoming and haven't gotten to do that here yet. Yeah. Got a good amount of space, which would be nice. And then mm-hmm. good. So, All right. Well, uh, that'll conclude this episode. And uh, make sure you check out uh, themediocrelasson.com or go to onstep.media. Ooh. Yeah. 
kind of expanding it. So the Mediocre Alaskan is the podcast, but as we get into some of the other things, um, be kind of expanding just a little bit there. On Step Media. On Step Media. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening.